Um, so um, in rec most recently, I've started sort of um, beginning to be thankful for little things, so beginning to be appreciative of God for little things. And um, so it's a special day today because um, it is Sunday, it's an opportunity for us to fellowship together and listen to God's word. It's also special to me because it's my lovely wife's birthday today, so, <laughs> so, so there you go. <laughs> um, that's going to cause her immense embarrassment, but there you go. She wasn't warned. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, um, Stewart asked me if I would preach. Um, I said yes without thinking. Um, and then as, after saying yes, um, I had a feeling of feeling very terrified and alarmed at what I had let myself into. Um, but as I prayed about today and I uh, continued to seek God's direction about today, about the word uh, he wants to bring to us today, um, that feeling of calm and peace came. And um, a, current, a recurrent theme has been coming to my mind, and that's sort of what I want us to share today. And that's on the word restoration. So, if I was under any doubt about God speaking clearly, I think Lisa's testimony put me at peace. Um, if I didn't prepare for this, I would have thought maybe people might think I had stolen Lisa's, Lisa's testimony and converted to a preach. Um, but that's what it is. So I want us to take a few minutes to look at restoration and what it is and um, sort of some angle that God has been leading me with regards to that word. Um, so if we look at the dictionary definition of restoration, what does it mean? And we're going to look at God's angle of restoration and what it means. And we're going to look at a few things concerning restoration. Um, so dictionary says restoration is defined as the action of returning something to a former owner, place, or condition. So restoring something, returning something to its original idea. Um, it's got synonyms like reconstruct, revamp, makeover, overhaul. Um, and that sort of wraps up the, the word restoration. Um, Restoration in God's context means restoring us to his original spec, so what he made us to be. And when I look at this, an analogy comes to my mind um, of a car. So we are all human beings. We all have hands and feet. We are all similar in, in a lot of ways. So when car makers make cars, they have a specific design for the car. Um, people that make tractors, it's got wheels and tires, it moves on land, but it doesn't necessarily function as your saloon car. So they've got specifically different functions. So a tractor is meant to work on farms, do some stuff. Bulldozers are meant to bring down buildings, do stuff. Saloon cars are meant to convey people from one point to another. Um, some people have four by fours. Um, you know, if you're interested in off-road, rides and stuff, you might get a four by four. So while all these represent, in general, similar things, um, in terms of its design and spec, it's designed for something specific, something really, really specific. And I think, I believe that when God makes each and every one of us, even though we're all made in God's image and likeness, there is a specific purpose of what God wants for us. There is a reason why we are here, 
at this time, in this season, in this place, in this country, there is something specific yeah. that God wants to use our presence here to bring to our people, our population, our families, our friends, people we come in contact with. There is something specific. And um, I think what happens is sometimes we, we make mistakes. We, we get things wrong. I have got so many things wrong in my life. Um, I've run out of count. And we, and sometimes it's not what we get things wrong or the mistakes. Um, sometimes things happen to us as well. So things that life throws things at us all the time at speed. And, and sometimes we, we can get hurt by loss, by events in life, divorce, all sorts of things can come into play. And that derails us from that purpose that, that God has in mind when he made us. So the restoration, the Bible is full of stories of God restoring Israelites, God restoring his people from time to time. Um, they will go into captivity, God will restore them. They will mess things up again, go into another captivity, God restores them. And Jesus restored a few people by either healing them, physical body, or by bringing people back to life. So there are stories all through the Bible about God's restoration. Um, but today, I want to look at a text in Isaiah, if you don't mind bringing it up. Isaiah 61. 1 to 4. And um, it says, The sovereign Lord has filled me with his spirit. He has chosen me and sent me to bring good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted. So we come to healing of brokenheartedness. To announce release to captives and freedom to those in prison. He has sent me to proclaim that the time has come when the Lord will save his people and defeat their enemies. He has sent me to comfort all those who mourn, to give those who mourn in Zion joy and gladness instead of grief, a song of praise instead of sorrow. They will be like trees that the Lord himself has planted. They will all do what is right, and God will be praised for what he has done. They will rebuild cities that have long been in ruins. Amen. Um, I want to look at four aspects of restoration. What is God restoring? So what is it about us? What, what, is in, what has gone wrong that God needs to restore? Who does the restoration? Obviously, that's obvious because it's God. Um, how does he restore? And why? Why does he want to restore us? Beyond conforming us back to his original design and plan for our lives. Why? Does he want to restore? And a few things comes into mind when we think about what God is restoring. So if we look at the passage um, on the screen, if you can bring that back up, just keep it. Um, he says, he has chosen me and sent me to bring good news to the poor. So there is the poor. And my take on the poor here is not necessarily lack of money or people in poverty. I think a lot of us have somehow inadvertently come to a place where we always go around with a consciousness of lack, and we always feel something is missing or lacking in our lives, and we never feel complete in who we are or in our functions in life or where we are with our lives. So we go around with this feeling of emptiness, of lack, and we consciously all the time carry lack with us. So that's one of the areas that God wants to restore. There is captivity. And um, 
the captives here, I believe are things that include addictions, um, emotional bondage, physical addictions, physical abuse, um, things that we find ourselves going back to against our will. Um, God wants us to be free and free totally. The Bible says that who the Son of God says free is free indeed. So God wants us to be set free totally from everything. There is nothing like addiction in God. I've never seen anybody that says, oh, I don't want to pray. But every time I find myself praying, you know, God doesn't addict us that way. I've never seen anyone that says, oh, I don't feel like worshiping. But here I go again, worshiping God. It doesn't happen in God. God keeps our freedom God seeks to build a relationship and a desire in us that leads to us willingly and intentionally seeking him Amen. and embracing him and fellowshipping with him and enjoying communion with God. He doesn't addict us. And therefore, anything that's in our life that has become an addiction, that has become something we do against our will, is captivity of some kind that God wants to restore us from. And there is brokenheartedness, like Lizzie mentioned earlier on. And this can come from rejection. It can come from defeat. It can come from loss. It can come from divorce, depression, loneliness, deep hopelessness, and um, heaviness or lack of peace. There is lack of peace. There is loss. There are things that break us apart. And, and today, God wants to bring that word to us about restoring Isaiah 53 says that the chastisement of our peace was upon him, which is Jesus. So, and if Jesus has died and done all that for us, we should live a life of peace, free from every brokenheartedness. There is an aspect of brokenheartedness that happens. There is an aspect of brokenness that happens to us. And we, we as human beings tend to somehow get broken either by mistakes and for some reason one of the biggest traps of the devil is that in some ways we become used to our brokenness so we we stay broken um how many people here knows the story of lion king yeah. show of hands super so so you know this guy simbad was born as a heir to his father mufasa you know the story and he was presented to his world, to his clan, as here is the future. Here is the new king. Here is Simba the Great that's going to take after his father Mufasa and take this kingdom to the next level. So he was born with a purpose, a clear purpose of succeeding his father and becoming the heir that will move the generation forward. He had a destiny. His destiny was outlined and clear in front of him. And um, that was his life. He was being groomed to become a king to replace his dad. And he has an uncle that's messed up, um, Scar. And, you know, we know how the story went. And I think he deceived Simbad into going where he shouldn't go. So Simbad also acted in a disobedience to some extent. And this uncle of his convinced him that his father that died was as a result of his fault. And what did he do? He fled. He ran away from everything and everyone and any, everything God had called him to. He ran away. Because brokenness does that to us. 
when we feel we've done things wrong, when we feel we've messed up big time, when we feel we've broken things up, we run away. We run away from friends and family. We run away from God. We run away from his comfort um, because we want to hide our head in shame. We want to stay broken. You know, along the line, Simbad picked up some silly friends, made friends with some outcasts, and um, embraced their way of life. They started singing Hakuna Matata. (laughs) Means don't worry for the rest of your days. Lovely song, you know. Uh, and how wonderful life would be if we don't worry for the rest of our days. Um, so, I, what I'm trying to get at is Simbad became comfortable in his brokenness. He stayed there. He spent years with these lads, these miscreants that believed that word was Hakuna Matata. And he embraced them. And, and for many years, that was his life. That was, became his reality. And eventually, the story went that some people, there's different versions, but his father appeared to him, his childhood friend, Nala came, and uh, Rafiki, and they convinced him to come back, and he came back, fought off his evil uncle, and came into his purpose again. So he was restored. But the key there is that he was broken, he messed things up, he ran away, because brokenness brings about shame, and um, he found comfort in brokenness and stayed broken. And that's really where the devil wants us to be. And for us and a lot of people today and and around our world, that's where we are. You know, we we are broken and we've found comfort, found friends in brokenness and stayed comfortable in brokenness. I just want us to turn to John 5. This is where Jesus healed someone by the lake of Bethesda. So I'm just going to read John 5, 1. And he says, after this, Jesus went to Jerusalem for a religious festival near the sheep gate in Jerusalem. There is a pool with five porches in Hebrew. It's called Bethzata. A large crowd of sick people were lying in the porches, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. A man was there who had been ill for 38 years. Jesus saw him lying there, and he knew that the man had been ill for such a long time. So he asked him, do you want to get well? The sick man answered, Sir, I have no one here to help me in the pool. The water is stirred up while I'm trying to get in somebody else. While I'm trying to get in, somebody else gets there first. Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Immediately the man got well. He picked up his mat and started walking. Uh, So a lot of people are familiar with this verse. This is where... People lie in this pool. The spirit gets, the spirit of God stirs the water, and while the water is there, people jump in and are healed. And this man has been lying there. He couldn't find anyone to help him into the water when he was dead. And he's been in that position for 38 years. And here Jesus comes up and says, do you want to get well? I'm sorry, but why is Jesus asking that question? Why is Jesus saying, do you want to get well? Here is a sick man for 38 years lying there. Obviously, everyone lying around the pool is there because they need a healing. He's there because they want to get well. And so sometimes you look at Jesus and you wonder, if you're not Lord and Savior of us, why do you ask some questions? Why do you ask this man, do you want to get well? But then we see that 
there might be a valid point, even though it's not specifically mentioned in the passage, and we'll get to that point at some point. But it could very well be that Jesus is asking this man, do you want to get well? Because some people are used to being broken. And do you desire genuinely to get well? It's what Jesus is asking. He's asking the man to invite him in into that situation. And, and that's why the reason he asked, do you want to get well? So Jesus was giving the man the opportunity to invite him into that situation. So a lot of us today, we're in that position where we need to invite Jesus into our, into our situation and allow him to restore us. How does God restore us? How does he restore us? How, what is that process of restoration that happens? In Matthew 20, 28, he says, Like the Son of Man, who did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life to redeem many people. The truth is that the heavy lifting has been done. The work that is required for my restoration, your restoration, is already done. Jesus has done the heavy lifting that is required for our restoration. And the, the passage we read initially in Isaiah 61 was one of those passages that refer to a messianic prophecy. So this is where Isaiah was prophesying about Jesus and the coming of Jesus and what Jesus was meant to do. And if you take a look at Luke chapter 4, from verse 16, we will see where Jesus himself confirms that prophecy. So this is where Jesus came into Nazareth. And he reads, Then Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath, he went as usual to the synagogue. He stood up to read the scriptures and was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has chosen me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set free the oppressed and announce that the time has come when the Lord will save his people. Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. All the people in the synagogue had their eyes fixed on him as he said to them, this passage of scripture has come true today as you had it being read. So Jesus was here confirming the prophecy in Isaiah and saying that today is the day to the people in Nazareth that that, that scripture is fulfilled. So God has already restored us. He has made provision for our restoration through the accomplished works of Jesus. And why does God do that? Why does God seek to restore us? Why does he want to restore us? Why does he keep calling us back to himself? One is because of his glory. It is to his glory that we are restored. And two is for us to become restorers of people. God wants to use us to become his agents of restoration in our world. 
So that's, that's why we're here. That's why God continually calls us back to himself. He calls us back because as we are restored, we are restored, one, to his original plan, purpose, intention for our lives, the purpose for why he made us, two, for his glory to be fulfilled through our lives, and then for us to go out there and become restorers for others. Lizzie said something profound in her testimony when she said she's been brokenhearted and God healed her through her broken heart and has used her to set free those that are brokenhearted. So that is the whole purpose of God's restoring us. He restores us so that we become restorers of others. All the, all the mistakes of our lives, perceived mistakes of our lives that we've made, all the wrong turns we've taken in life, all the things that life has thrown at us, um, events, divorce, whatever loss, all the brokenheartedness are experiences that God uses. These are scars in our lives. And those scars are God's weapons. Those scars are God's weapons. Those are God's tools that he uses in us to bring restoration to people that share similar experiences as us. So, those, some of those things that we regret the most about our lives, some of those things that we weep at night, some of those things that hurt us the most, that we wish we didn't have in our lives, I believe are the anchors of God's purpose in our life. They are the anchors of God's purpose in our life. The very things we regret the most. And by giving God the permission to come into our lives and restore us, we're giving God the permission to use our story to reveal his glory. And that is the belief I have. That when we invite God into our events, when we invite God into this brokenness, when we invite God and open our hearts to him, he uses those very stories that we regret the most to shine his glory to his world. And that is his purpose for our lives. Now, do we have a part to play in restoration? 100% yes, we do. Um, we do have an active part to play in restoration because I believe restoration is a process. Okay? I, I, I have been personally through the journey of restoration in various areas and I am still continuing because God restored different bits of our lives in different seasons according to his purpose. Um, so we do have... Restoration is slightly different from miracle. Okay? Because I believe miracle is an event. And it happens, you're healed. Just like she mentioned, sorry, I don't get your name, but <laughs> just like she mentioned earlier on, someone had a bad hand and was just healed straight. And that impact was felt. So miracle is an event. Restoration is a process. It is a process we go through. And, and I think, I believe, is a partnership between us and God. Um, where we are required to believe and obey. So our obedience comes into it. Because even Jesus could not function in the presence of unbelief. 
on our, in Luke chapter 4, where we read earlier on, where he confirmed the prophecy in Isaiah about himself, if you read down, I'm not, I'm not going to read that, but if you read down, you will actually realize where he says that they were wowed by Jesus' words. They were impressed. But they say, is that not the son of Joseph, the carpenter? So they, 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 they believed, they wanted to believe, but they, they went back with distractions. And one of my prayers today is that God removes distractions from our life to believe in his word. And when they said that, Jesus told them about Isaiah when he went off and went to the widow of Narephath, and there were many widows, and they wanted to kill him. And Jesus walked away and disappeared, and they lost out. So even Jesus could not function in the, in, in the midst of unbelief. We do require, God requires obedience and belief in us to work on our restoration. We have a responsibility to take action, to give God the permission to come into our situation and bring restoration to that situation. So it's our responsibility to take action. And I want to share something very quickly, personally. So a few weeks ago, Stewart was sharing on spiritual gifts, and um, Rosemary, that came out earlier on and shared about the children's picnic, came out and gave a word about someone dealing with a habit that needs to give up a habit and um, that needs prayers that God, God really wants to pray, that is prayer intervention. I was up there working on words in the technical side of things, and I felt convicted in my spirit that that word was for me. But you see, brokenness makes us ashamed. It makes us shrink back. And I, I prayed about it. I said a quick prayer, and I said to God, I don't think it's me, but if it's me, just give me a sign. Show me something that will mean it's me. So we finished, and I forgot about it. Service ended, and I turned off the projectors, and we were just catching up with a few friends. And, you know, somehow our conversation drifted around the tea and coffee area to pick up tea and coffee. And I was just speaking to someone, finished speaking to them, turned around to pick up a cup of tea. There was Rosemary right in front of me. Of all the places she could be in the church platform, it was right in front of me. But even at that, I still didn't find the courage to take action. I went ahead, took my tea, went home, and prayed about it all through. It wasn't until two weeks later that I caught up with Rosemary. I shared what the situation was with her. And I said, can we pray about the situation? So God requires, so responsibility is a big thing, especially when it involves our brokenness. Because brokenness is not something you want to share. It's not something we are even proud to face up to ourselves in our quiet places. But God wants us to take responsibility. He wants us to take action. Some of those actions might be prayers, it might be consciously cultivating an attitude of prayer and fellowshipping with God. It might be taking steps to receive counseling practically. It could be consciously disengaging from some friendships and relationships. And on a positive side to that, it could be consciously cultivating positive relationships. 
So it could mean any of these things. It could mean just crying out to God. It could mean meeting someone and saying, could you pray for me? But we need to take action. We need to raise our hands and invite God into that situation. Because God doesn't restore us for us to feel restored. I believe God restores us to live restored. So we need to live a life of restoration. And I'm just going to pray. So we could pray for we could pray for all the what's, the poor, the, the captives, the, the brokenheartedness. We could pray for all this. And if you need a particular prayer, if you feel any of this area particularly involves you, the loss, divorce, rejection, people have made you feel that. If you feel you need a specific prayer, you can always see Stuart or anyone you feel led to, to pray with you. I'm praying to that situation. I mention it specifically. Take that action and invite God into that story. I believe no one can help an addict more than someone that's a that has been previously addicted to a substance. So God wants to use our brokenness to restore. The world is crying out for us. But this morning, I just want to say a few words of prayer, particularly for people that have become comfortable in the desert of brokenness. So if you have stayed in, in a place of brokenness, and you know within you that you've been here, for a long time. And this is not where God's call is for your life. You know that. But somehow you've picked up friends around that area that have made you feel comfortable in that place, but you know that calling is there. I don't need you to raise your hands. I don't need you to stand up. I just need you to, while we close our eyes now, I just need you to place your hands on your chest. And I'm just going to pray, Father, Lord, we pray for your peace upon our lives. We pray, O oh God, that where we have become comfortable, we've messed things up. We've gone astray, we've done our own things. And in some cases, things have happened to us that made us become discouraged in our journey with you and in our purpose, in pursuing our, your purpose for our lives. <coughs> Father, we pray today that you begin to stir the waters of our hearts. Everywhere we have become comfortable, Father, make that place uncomfortable for us. We pray for the knowledge. We pray for the knowledge to realize that the heavy lifting, everything that is required for our restoration has been completed by Jesus. Father, we embrace that vision today. We embrace that reality. And we invite you to come into that situation. Take away any comfort in our brokenness. We thank you that you are, going to, you are restoring your purpose in our lives. You are healing the brokenness. You are setting the captives free. We pray that you come and minister in a powerful way to us. That anywhere we have become comfortable outside your will, that you use our story to bring about your glory. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.